Not much was there. Nope, that's pots and pans. Okay, no tomatoes. Bloody hell. Oh dear. Right, so why was I searching for tomatoes? Well, if you've been following me on Twitter, what's pinned to my Twitter feed today, which is the 7th of May, 2018, is a fact check stroke takedown of the quote-unquote open Britain Twitter account, which claimed that 21% tariffs are applied to all imports of tomatoes because of the EU. They forced the UK to do so. Now, let before we get too carried away with this, though I'm sure I will at some point, this Open Britain account actually isn't the verified Open Britain group account. It's a Brexiteer-run account which attempts to hijack all the visitors to the real Open Britain group account. So watch out for that if you're about. The real Open Britain account has a blue verified badge. The other one, belonging to Brexiteers, does not. And as with all things Brexiteer, this is a load of... Uh, how, how can I say this nicely? Codswallop. Because, as usual, what you've got to ask yourself, even if this was true, oh fuck, excuse me, is whether or not it actually makes a difference. So to do with that, we have to ask ourselves, what does the cost of tomatoes, as we buy them in a shop, Involve? Well, the first unobvious point is import tariffs. Are there any import tariffs? Well, the reality is 85% of what we bring into the United Kingdom in fruit and veg is European Union based. So, tomatoes in particular come from the Netherlands and Spain. So, the idea that we're paying a significant amount of tariffs on a significant amount of all our tomatoes is obviously false. <clears throat> or at least it only applies to 15% of the tomatoes that we import, or rather the fruit and veg that we import, because the tomatoes only make up 27% of that 15% number. In addition, we've got to bear in mind that all that does is bring that up to the same cost standard as European Union-based tomatoes. So it actually doesn't cost us any more than the European Union tomatoes. And of course, the rest of the stuff that we would consume is homegrown. We grow them. So, in reality, under EU rules, only countries which fall outside the everything but arms agreements in the rest of the world would be subject to those 21% tariffs. And that's actually a very small number, because of course, 85% of our ice cream, 85% of our produce is brought in from the EU, so it only can ever be applied to, at maximum, 15% of the rest of the world. And in fact, it's, it's actually applied to only a couple of countries, so not even that figure would be anywhere near true. In addition, it would apply to only 27% of the fruit and veg that we uh, import, because of course, our tomatoes only make up 27% uh, of all vegetables or fruit imports. <coughs> Excuse me. So, with that in mind, 
when you do the sums of 15% of our fruit and veg, take 27% of that, and then apply 21% to that value, that creates a ceiling, a maximum amount that we could ever be charged in tax. And that works out at 0.7 of a penny for every one pound box of tomatoes. Maximum. The very, very top end. So much so, you don't even notice it. Absolute maximum. So the reality is this 21% that is talked about is not 21% across the board. It only brings it up to the European costs anyway. So it doesn't cost us any more than otherwise would be applied. And the net result of that is that in reality, there's no difference at all. But what we're doing is throwing everything away to charge more for other goods because bear in mind that the European Union will be exporting to us with whatever trade tariffs we will set. The knock-on effect of that is everything at 100% of all foodstuffs, of all baskets of goods, which in turn is a measure of inflation, will go up. So what the Open Britain Group, sorry, the quote-unquote passing off Open Britain Group, in my opinion, and many others, is doing and has stated is completely and utterly false, or rather, it is completely and utterly pointless. It makes absolutely no difference to us. What really does matter is the fact that we're giving up that tiny, tiny, tiny percentage to increase the overall cost across a number of other different stages, systemically making ourselves poorer in the process. Alexa, Alexa, set, Alexa, set, Alexa. Where was I? Oh, yeah. The other aspects that you've got to consider are things like the level of wastage of fruit and veg. Now, anyone who's ever cleaned out their vegetable drawer in their fridge will probably tell you and be very experienced with the state of rotten vegetables. Why does that happen? <clears throat> because it's been, it's been stuck around there too long. Mold has grown on it and it started to decay. The reality is that's time-based. The longer it sits around, it loses its freshness. Common sense. So the inference that we would want to import large numbers of rest-of-world tomatoes is frankly ludicrous, because at the end of the day, if it takes six weeks to get here, frankly, the freshness is more than gone. You've got nothing but mulch. You may as well put it straight on the compost heap. And that brings us on to our next point. Wastage. If any tomatoes are wasted in transit, the cost of those doesn't just disappear. Somebody has to absorb that, and usually it's the people who bought the tomatoes. If you buy a thousand tomatoes and two of them are bad, you've still paid for a thousand tomatoes, like it or not. The price of that then gets fed into the rest of the supply chain. So as the distributors and hauliers take this stuff and drop it somewhere else, th there's an extra economic uh, value increment. The supermarkets warehouse it, and some of that will waste there as well. Then it'll go onto the shelves, and some of that will also waste. The more you waste, the more it costs. <clears throat> because at the end of the day, you can't sell the wasted stuff. And, and as we all know, oh dear, vegetables and fruit do not decay linearly. What I mean by that is you don't start with one bad apple, and next day you'll get two bad apples and you get three bad apples the next day. What happens is you get nothing for ages, it stays fresh for a while, and then suddenly, oh, 
suddenly, everything goes rotten in 24 hours. So that's an exponential curve. You get nothing for ages, and then suddenly things start to decay very quickly. The knock-on effect of that is that the longer stuff stays out there, the more likelihood there is of this exponential decay actually happening in transit, or in warehouse, or even on the shelves. And of course, nobody then buys that. So you'll start off having a couple here, and then suddenly next day, 30, 40 tomatoes out of 50 have suddenly disappeared. And that creates a very high level of waste. And all that, as we've said before, gets priced into the cost of the tomatoes. And who pays for that? We do. So you can't just take that one individual portion of trade tariffs applied to a small number of countries outside the EU and then assume that that's going to magically be the entirety of all tomato pricing. It's a minuscule amount of cash. And not just that, we are offsetting that against the total cost of all the decay, of all the wastage of trying to ship tomatoes from New Zealand or, the, or South America. <clears throat> There's no point in that. We've got a, 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 a set of countries next door who can fly it to us in an hour or haul it to us within 24 hours. It stays fresh in that period of time. Six weeks' time, two weeks' time, in these other rest of the world countries does not leave us with much to sell, which means the prices will go up to compensate. And this is all forgetting the fact that uh, the common agricultural policy will also disappear, which then means that British farmers and the stocks that we would normally have ready access to in the European Union will suddenly disappear. And who makes up that cost? So yeah, that was my particular takedown of that particular issue. You'll see the full details as a pinned tweet on my Twitter feed. Uh, that's at Angry Northern UK or Angry Northerner. There's also a... Uh, a set of follow-up pictures or screenshots from uh, Fanatic Realist, um, who's uh, quite rightly used the uh, MIT export and import tool, trade tool. Um, it's called OEC. Take a look at that if you get a chance. It's a very, very good resource. Um, you can download that information as uh, Excel files and CSV files. I've used it a few times myself. Um, definitely wor uh, worth uh, examining, especially around some of these trade elements. <coughs> Just so you understand how big the effects actually are. So, quick again, uh, big props to uh, Fanatic Realist on that. Um, we've got six months between the time at which we, well, six months, just a bit more than six months, um, between now and uh, when we leave. And things could get very, very um, difficult in that time. Obviously, the transition period is not us uh, being in the EU or being members of the EU. We are transitioning out of the EU. Our official membership ends in March 2019. By December 2020, we should be completely out. So, although we might find ourselves trying to desperately negotiate a uh, an extension to that uh, transition, yeah. So we can see there's quite a lot that's going to affect us. Bearing in mind, especially on the on the uh, farming front, that industry is done. But then again, I think the ERG don't really care. Either way. Well, it's the end of the bank holiday. Back to work tomorrow. Same old, same old. Have a good one.